excited today because I get to launch a new series. Launching a series is always really fun for me because um, you get to like set up a whole thing. Um, and so I love to set up the whole thing, what we're doing here um, this week. And this, I'm even more excited about this series because this is a series that we are going to be doing with hundreds of other vineyard churches across the country. How cool is that? Um, we're part of the Vineyard Association of Churches, which functions largely like a denomination. It's not technically a denomination, but it is a group. Uh, it's a it's a centralized uh, place and and um, for our national. And for Vineyard USA, which is our national uh, association, and they provide all kinds of support to us as pastors, as churches. Um, they provide resources, whether it's around church planting or missions or justice efforts. They're, they're there for us. They also put on our national and regional conferences. National conferences coming up. You want to be a part of that if you possibly can. Grab a flyer out there. Um, it's, it's really local, so that's going to be wonderful. Um, and they, are, they have planned this sermon series for us to do um, between the time of Easter and Pentecost. They've asked churches to do this if they can. And it's because it's an interesting time in the church year between Easter and Pentecost. We just got done with the big thing of Lent and Easter, right? It's a big season. It's kind of a big deal, and it's kind of a long time till Advent and Christmas, which is our other big deal. And so we have this kind of season, and, and we've been focusing on Jesus, right? If you were here last week, we talked about Jesus, the empty tomb, how the women went to put the spices on him, and he wasn't there because Jesus is risen. And all of that is wonderful, and all that's exciting, but it could be that we may have the same question that the disciples probably had at that moment, which was, now what? What happens next? Okay, so great. He rose from the dead. Um, we're just going to continue what we were doing. Like, what, what happens here? And it wasn't clear to the disciples. And it does say in 1 Corinthians 15 that, that Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. He appeared several times to the disciples and talked to them. But they were still a little confused. We know that because even uh, when Jesus told them, go up to Galilee and wait for me, they went up and they didn't know what else to do, so they started fishing again. Because, <laughs> like, what else do we do? We know how to fish, so they fished. Um, and so they weren't sure what to do next. And this is what we have to keep in mind when we, when we see that. They did not yet have the guidance and the power and the direction to do what they were meant to do. Why? They didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. The Holy Spirit had not yet descended. Now they had received the Holy Spirit for moments of what they needed to do, just as people in the Old Testament had, but the Holy Spirit had not descended in that moment that we know about, which is Pentecost. And so I want to read to you just kind of what was happening in those 40 days between Easter and Pentecost in Acts 1. I'm reading, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many pr convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, there's that 40 days, and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So after saying this, the scripture says he was taken up into heaven. That was it. He ascended into heaven. And so here he's saying, look, I know we've been doing this thing for 40 days, but, but in just a couple days, the Holy Spirit's going to come and everything's going to change. Now you're going to know what you need to do next when the Holy Spirit comes. And, you know, we talked about this. Uh, Jesus had talked about this earlier with his disciples, and we talked about it a little bit when we were in John. If you recall, John 14 to 16, there's a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, Jesus is telling them, I'm going to leave you, and the Father's going to 
um, you know, send you someone to replace, you know, me or to be with you, and he's the advocate, right, the counselor, remember we talked about that, but I'm guessing they're a little bit like we are, that, you know, you tell them something, they go, oh yeah, that sounds good, but then later on you're like, what, what did he say? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure they really fully got it, that everything was going to change, that he was going to leave them, but that they were going to be given the Holy Spirit. And so 40 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit would descend upon the people in a moment we call Pentecost. And uh, we can see the story in Acts 2. In a sense, those 40 days between Easter and Pentecost were a waiting period, were a holding pattern where they were sure that they had seen the risen Christ, but waiting for the power to come. And of course, we're in that season right now. We already have the Holy Spirit. Pentecost took place over 2,000 years ago, so we have the Holy Spirit. We're not waiting for him to come. But this is a moment and time for us to remember what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit was all about and why he came, what this was all about. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit marked some really important things. It marked the beginning of the church. Do you realize that? That before then, the church didn't exist. It was a bunch of disciples walking around with Jesus. But once the Holy Spirit came, the church was born. And everything we do here, the worshiping of God by the Spirit and serving others by the Spirit and seeing healings and praying for one another in the Spirit, this is all because the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit also marked the priesthood of all believers. Up until this time, the Holy Spirit was only poured out on here, this person here, this person here, King David, King Saul, just for specific moments. But now, every one of us as believers was going to be given the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we could all work for God in his kingdom. We would all have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within us. You may realize how incredible that is. The priest of all believers, born in Pentecost. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit also marked the ushering in of the kingdom. Now, Jesus coming on earth, he's saying the kingdom is at hand, but the actual coming of the kingdom where we as his kingdom people would be able to see the, as it is in a heaven on earth was ushered in because of the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And finally, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit marked that impartation of power, of heaven's power on ordinary little you and me. <laughs> that we're to carry out that work. The power of heaven given to God's people for healing and miracles and transformation and knowledge and freedom. This is what the Pentecost, what Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit meant to all this. Without a proper understanding of not only the resurrection, but also the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can't do the work that God's got us to do. And he's got work for us to do. He's got kingdom work for us to do. And so that's why our vineyard denomination is having us talk about this. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit for six weeks. How's, how's that? Six weeks. And um, we're, we have some wonderful um, messages coming and some wonderful people giving the messages. And then um, the series is called Empowered. Uh, and, and so because we're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're going to learn how to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see, our, our, we're going to move into transformation as a church in being more and more empowered by the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. Uh, God wants to do something right here at Gate City Vineyard. We know kind of about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to know more, and we're going to experience more of him over these next six weeks. And here's the cool thing. Of uh, the sixth week, which happens to exactly be the Pentecost, um, we're going to all hear the same message from Jay Pathak, who's our national director. They're gonna be, um, we're going to be broadcasting the same message that all the other churches are going to broadcast, so we'll, we'll get a video message that day, but it's going to be Jay talking to all the Vineyard churches 
to close our series on May 28th. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be really a lot of fun. Um, and so I want to start by kind of introducing the person of the Holy Spirit. I know for some of you, you know, you've been around this stuff a long time. You know the Holy Spirit. You know what, what it's all about. Some of you might be a little bit newer. Some of you may have gotten different teaching from different places. So we're just going to come together. Um, and I'm going to show you a short video clip. And it's from the Alpha program. I don't know if, how many of you are familiar with Alpha, but Alpha is a program we offer here from time to time, which is a series of videos which explain the basics of the Christian faith. And the point of Alpha is that it's a group time where you can come together and ask all your questions. You know, there's no dumb questions. There's any doubts are fine. Like, we just bring it in to talk about what does this all mean. And so they have a wonderful segment on the Holy Spirit. And um, so I want to actually play you this segment right now. It's about five minutes. So just settle in. It's a great little video. In the beginning, there was God. The earth was empty formless, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out of the chaos of the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon, and every star, creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly, and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner. God sent his spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled others with his spirit for prophecy, to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and hope to his people. The spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new. Not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, gender, ethnicity, and race. 
then with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, heal the sick, bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. So often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. As Bezalel was given the skill to craft and design the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives, new attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. Whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill, ability and creativity. Like Gideon, God uses people who feel weak, inadequate, ill-equipped. As God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. The Counselor, the Helper, the Gift Giver, the Guide. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts. He takes away our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit, who helps us to break free from bad habits, also harnesses a desire to love others and to help those in need, the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not only about what is felt, but also about making a difference in the world. He can use you. What do you think? Hallelujah, right? Woo! Worship the Holy Spirit. Amazing, right? Amazing. We can never plumb the depths of God. And I don't care how long you've been around this church thing, God thing, Holy Spirit thing, there's always more. There's always more. And there's more of the Holy Spirit that we can receive. And oh, he wants to pour it out on you and pour it out on me. He wants, to, he wants us to receive more and more of who he is. So he can work in us like he worked in all those people. He's going to work in you and in me. Hallelujah. So that was kind of our little introduction. Wherever, wherever God is moving, wherever goodness and creativity and power and revelation are happening, the Holy Spirit is there. He is God. He is God. I want to read to you a little um, a quote from Diane Lehman. She's a vineyard pastor who wrote a very classic book on the Holy Spirit called Hello, Holy Spirit, classic kind of vineyard uh, book. And she describes the Holy Spirit this way. Who is this Holy Spirit? He is not a ghost, an impersonal force, or an elusive power out there. He is neither a doctrine to be studied nor a distant deity to be feared. He is a person to be known and loved. He is God himself. He is one of three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. He is God's gift of himself to each one of us. And he makes the Christian life indescribably beautiful and a fun-filled delight. I love the sound of that. I love the sound of that. That's what he wants to do today. And that's what we believe about the Holy Spirit. He's a person, and he wants to indwell each one of you. We're going to be talking about that. Um, for today, the rest of my time here, my, my um, part of the series, every week, uh, different people are going to be talking about different aspects of the Holy Spirit, but today I'm talking about him as the revealer, that he's re always revealing 
Jesus, he's revealing the truth and how that, what that means for us today. And so I'm going to just jump right into that. But the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, which leads us to how we get filled with the Spirit, is that he reveals Jesus to us. None of us would be sitting here calling ourselves a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. You can think that you just figured it out all by yourself and that you just knew it was right. And that, you know, I am sure God used your mental abilities and your study and your talking to people and maybe reading the Bible to help you get to a place where you might recognize God. But there's nothing that explains that moment of, it's true, (laughs) I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You can't explain it. Um, I came to Christ in kind of an intellectual way. I didn't really have a kind of a supernatural type of experience. I was just reading the Bible. I was reading books about God. I was talking to people. I wanted to know if it was true. Did he really rise from the dead? I was really, you know, coming at it almost in a mental way. And I was reading the book of Matthew. And one day I was reading it and I didn't believe it. And the next day I did believe it. I can't explain that. But it just suddenly all made sense. And see, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He uses our rational mind, perhaps, to get us to a place where we're open to even consider the possibility. And he uses our thinking, certainly. But faith is the work of the Spirit. It's something that he puts on us. He opens our eyes. He reveals Jesus to us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives you understanding and and a desire and a will to trust Jesus. We have to be willing to come and open up our hearts to him. But it's the Spirit who seals the deal. He seals it. And if you don't have faith today, you can just ask the Holy Spirit. You can say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Show me. Show me that it's true. Show me that it's real. And I'm telling you something. He's going to do it. (laughs) I hope you're ready. (laughs) Because he's going to do it. He follows through. He, He reveals Jesus to us. The Spirit gives testimony about Jesus. John 15, 26 says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. Every time you find Jesus, as the Holy Spirit has been pointing to him. John 3, 5 to 7, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And so see, God draws us to himself, and then when we believe in him, when we say yes to him, then the Holy Spirit does a second thing. Not only does he help us to see who Jesus is and believe, gives us that gift of faith, he also then comes and indwells us. So if you're a Christian here today, if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It comes with the package. (laughs) You can't have part of God and not the whole, all of God. So he draws us to himself. I love this. Ephesians 1.13 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You're sealed with him. No, with nothing can snatch you out of his hands. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you. There's no other way that it can work. Now, you also don't just have some of the Holy Spirit. It's not like somebody's got a little bit more over here than this one's got a little bit more, a little bit less. No, Holy Spirit is a person. You have the person. It's like you can't be just, you know, half pregnant, right? You either is or you ain't. (laughs) You don't get part of the Holy Spirit. You get the whole Holy Spirit. He's a person. He comes to live within you. Now, it doesn't mean that you may feel like it all the time. It also may mean that you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're listening to him all the time. 
It doesn't mean that we fully understand him or don't have questions about him. It doesn't mean that we might not be walking with him. We can ignore the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. The only reason he's grieved is because he's there with you, right? He wouldn't be grieved if you went off and did your own thing if he wasn't there, but he's there and you're doing the thing you're not supposed to do. It grieves him, right? So we can grieve him. He dwells you. He's indwelling you. And so this is a truth that we can just hold on to, to realize as I'm sitting here, as you're sitting there, he's right here. He's, he's within you, and he's work, working within you. So he's a revealer. He reveals Jesus to us. That's the start of our walk with Christ. But the second thing the Holy Spirit does as a revealer is he brings clarity out of confusion. Oh, how much we need clarity, right? There's a lot of confusion in this world. Holy Spirit reveals truth and everything that you and I need to know. So if we look at John 16, 12 to 13, he says, I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. See, Jesus is telling him he, them he's leaving, and there's lot, lots more for you to know, but if I told you everything, you couldn't bear it. <laughs> Just so true, right? Thank God God doesn't tell us everything <laughs> that's going to happen in our life. We couldn't bear it, right? So he's saying, don't worry, I'm sending my Holy Spirit, and he will tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. So gentle. I'll just throw it all on you. He just says, no, just come to me, and I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. So that's, that's what he's saying here. So he says, I have so much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will only speak what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. So the Holy Spirit is always in our life doing a process of uncovering and unveiling and revealing for us. He's guiding us and how much we need that guidance in life. There's so many questions and so many decisions and so many different voices out there. We need to start listening to one voice, and that's the Holy Spirit. A lot of other voices. We can turn on the radio, turn on the TV, but it's the Holy Spirit who's the guide, and he's right there with you. It's easier than even turning on the TV. <laughs> he's right there with you. Satan works hard to make sure we're confused about a lot of things in the church, especially, I think, the Holy Spirit. I think that's why there's so much division even among churches about what the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And the reason Satan attacks there is because that's where power and clarity and purpose and kingdom work takes place. When we are operating by the Spirit, when we are listening to the Spirit, when we are guided by the Spirit, that's when God moves and so some of us may be confused about the Holy Spirit. Is it a feeling? Is it a he? Is it a she? Is it it or her or him? Um, is it a feeling? Is it something I have to feel? Some of you may think, do I need to speak in tongues? Some churches teach that you have to speak in tongues in order to prove that you have the Holy Spirit. That's, by the way, not the teaching of the vineyard. We believe that the tongues is, is one gift of the Holy Spirit, so you may receive a gift of tongues, you may not. But what about prophecies, the end times, movements of governments in the world? Is any of that right? Is that from the Spirit? Or shouldn't we be all doing miracles? I mean, shouldn't there be more miracles? Shouldn't it be like when John Wimber was out here and he was like touching people and they're just all getting healed and everyone's moving? Shouldn't that all be happening here if we really were of the Spirit? What about people who never do a miracle? Who, you know, never speak in tongues, Are they? but they're faithful and they love God. Do they have the Spirit? There's a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit. And I want to just make two things clear to us today. Two things I need to remember. We need to remember. The Holy Spirit does as he pleases. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit does as he pleases. Let me read to you from John 3, 8. And this is Jesus' own words talking about the Spirit. He says, The wind blows 
wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. If you think that the Holy Spirit has to work today like he did in 1985 for John Wimber or we're not a good vineyard church, then you've got another thing coming. God will not be put in a box. He doesn't do today what he did yesterday. He does a new thing. He brings new manna for a new time. And it may look very, very different. It may look similar, but it may look very, very different. Every revival through the centuries has looked very, very different. God decides how he's going to move. We don't decide how he's going to move. He decides. And listen, we always pray for more of it all, right? Of course, we long for signs and wonders and for people to be healed and to, and to, to, to receive gifts of the Spirit. We, we long for that. But we also long for many to come to know Jesus and to be transformed and set free from addictions and fears. We long to be people that make a difference in the world and that, that poverty and racism and injustice can be wiped away because we're out there in the world. We long for that. We long that you and I would go deeper with Jesus and worship, that when Charles would get up here and strum, that we would just immediately be in his presence and know him in a deep way. Oh, we, we pray for that. All of that is the work of the Spirit. All of that. The Spirit doesn't work just one way. He works out in our marketplaces. He works in our communities. He works in worship. He works as we yield ourselves to him. And so this is... This is what he does. He moves. He works. What's our job? To listen. <laughs> to listen and follow. That's our job. Where is he going? I'm following there. I kept thinking of that crazy dumb song from a number of years back. Every move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, Jesus. It's like every move you make, I'm not going to make a move until you make a move, God. I'm not going to make my own moves. I'm not going to decide how he's going to act. I'm going to follow what Jesus does. I'm going to move where he does. We have to be listeners of the Holy Spirit. We don't tell him what to do. And that's true for our own lives personally, and it's true for us as a church. And so I ask you, church, are we ready to go where the Holy Spirit wants to take us? Whatever that looks like. Maybe different than where this church has been in the past. It may be similar. I don't know. But are we ready to go where he leads us? Because we're ready. Board members, Give me a nod. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> we're ready. We're ready. Staff member, we, we're ready. We want to go where Jesus leads. We want to go where the Holy Spirit has taken us. And we're going to step forward with boldness and faith. And so I even pray that over these next six weeks, even when I'm not here. It shouldn't matter if I'm here or not. Holy Spirit's here. That's much more important than me being here. So let's listen to him. Let's let him get more and more of us. So as a church, we begin to walk more and more and hear where he is taking us. Hallelujah. Amen? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. So that's the first thing. I want us to remember that the Holy Spirit does as he pleases. Our job is just to listen and follow. But the second thing I want us to remember is that the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. He will always glorify Jesus, lift up Jesus, be about Jesus, and so should we. That's our plumb line. That's how we stay firm and centered in the midst of all the crazy stuff that's going on left and right and everywhere else in our world and in our churches. We stay centered. We are the radical middle, as we call it in the vineyard, where we stay centered on Jesus. It's about Jesus. John 16, 14 is when Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit, he says, he will glorify me. 
Holy Spirit always is pointing to Jesus. So any other confusing messages you're getting in the world, whether it's from the news or from prophecies or from other churches or from our church even, activities or promotions, if it's not pointing to Jesus, leading to Jesus, worshiping Jesus, glorifying Jesus, then it's not of the Holy Spirit. It's all about him. Amen. Amen. What's of the Holy Spirit will be about Jesus, and it will bring clarity, not confusion. The last thing I want to say about G the Holy Spirit as a revealer is that he reveals the guidance and comfort and strength that you need. So interesting, Charles said almost the same thing this morning, that he knows what you need this morning. We called out the things that we're needing from God this morning. He knows what you need, and it's different from everybody else in this room. Every one of you, even if you're married, you've got different needs. <laughs> Amen. We do. And so, you know, I was thinking about, have you ever been to church and, you know, you've either heard something in the worship or maybe it was in the message or maybe it might have just even been a prayer somebody said, and you're like quickened to the heart, right? Like, oh, I just went crazy. And you're like, that's the Holy Spirit. Wow, the Holy Spirit's here. And you're having this moment, maybe a tear coming to your eye. Like, you're just having this moment. Holy Spirit is really here. I can't believe how anointed, you know, Charles' word was. Like, that was just so, and you look around and the guy next to you is like on his phone texting somebody. <laughs> Or somebody else is like falling asleep in the back row, and you're like, what's wrong with these people? The Holy Spirit's here. Don't you hear him? It's because he's speaking to you. He knows you. He knows exactly what you mean. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit's so strong and so powerful in a, in a meeting that everyone feels it, right? But sometimes it's even the reverse. Everyone else is like crying and weeping and on their faces, and you're just like, I'm just going to sing. I don't know. I'm not feeling it, but God's good. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. He knows you. There's a word for this in the teaching field. It's called differentiated learning. Any teachers out there where they, you know, they have to make the learning for all the kids and their different learning styles. God knows your learning style. If you're ADHD, if you've got a learning disability, he knows. He's speaking to you. He loves you. He speaks in a language that you can hear. And it may never even be in this church. It may be when you're out on a walk. In nature and you see in the trees and he may speak to you there maybe when you're doing dishes at home or when you're trying not to yell at your kids I don't know but God speaks to us I'm always amazed when I um, put together a sermon and I'll be in my office you know and I'm praying and I'm reading scripture and looking at some commentaries maybe and you know I'm, I'm, and all of a sudden like I'll just get this oh you know oh God just gave me something right and I'm like oh that's the Holy Spirit, and I'm like moved by it. I got like a tear in my eye, like, Lord, that's an amazing truth about you, and I furiously start writing this. I'm like, this is gonna be like anointed. I mean, people are gonna fall on their faces when they hear this, you know, and so I write this whole thing, and I come up here, and I deliver it, and it's a good point, but like nobody's all like falling out or getting excited about my point. <laughs> but then, at the end of the service, somebody will come up to me and say, you know that thing you said, and it won't be the big incredible thing, There'll be some other thing that I barely remember even saying. And they'll say, that thing you said, that's changed my life. Like, I'm going to keep that with me forever. I'm never going to. I'm like, I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> this is why I'm glad the Holy Spirit's in charge and not me. Because he only can do that. He only can make you feel like the speaker, whoever they are, on, on the radio, on TV, here. It makes, he, he makes it feel like we're talking just to you. <laughs> but it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. He, he knows you, 
And through the same word, he can give you hope and comfort in your sadness, and he can give you direction for a question you have at work, and he can give you, um, you know, a freedom over a, an addiction or a fear here. Like, he's moving in all kinds of different ways. It's just so amazing. I just, just worship him. He is so big. He is God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's ask him. We kind of already got a little primed for this this morning, but let's just ask him, what is it that you're trying to say to us this morning, God? What is it you have for me? Do we need direction or guidance? Do we need comfort or wisdom? I just want us to take a moment. What's he been ministering to you this morning? Receive it. Open up your hearts to him. Listen and then follow. Follow. Let me say something to you, church. One of the great privileges we have as Christians, one of the great privileges is that we get to learn to hear more and more from the Holy Spirit. You're going to grow and hear more. You think you hear from him now? Keep listening. You're going to hear even more. You think, I don't ever hear from him. Just stay, keep listening. You're going you're to hear from him. We get to learn this. This is part of our Christian journey, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I know we'll talk about this in other um, messages, but the Holy Spirit doesn't always speak in the same way. He sometimes speaks. Um, pretty much almost never with an audible voice. People in the Bible had that, but I don't, I don't know anybody in person that I've known that's had an audible voice, but often it's through a, a, an impression, a, a sense in your spirit. Sometimes it's through a sense of conviction. You've done something or you're thinking about doing something and there's like your stomach just starts to churn. You know that can be the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you may have an inspiration as you're sitting down to, to, to write something or as you're praying through something and just a, a point that just you didn't even, weren't even thinking about just plops into your mind and that's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it is a feeling and sometimes it's just a, a warm sense of his presence and his comfort for you. He's always pointing us to Jesus. He's always speaking to us, always pointing us to Jesus. Anything you hear from the Holy Spirit is always going to be consistent with the revelation of Jesus in his word. It's going to be about Jesus. So this morning, I want us to receive the Holy Spirit, and this is probably going to be the call every single week almost in some form or another for the next six weeks, but to be open to receiving more and more of the Holy Spirit, to open up our hearts to him. And maybe in some ways we have to break away from some bad thinking about the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need to lay aside some teaching maybe we've gotten or some ways of thinking about the Holy Spirit that has to look a certain way or feel a certain way or act out a certain way. Um, the more you know of Jesus, the more you will begin to recognize the Holy Spirit within you. But if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. So that's the cool thing. And so what I want to do to end this here is to give you a little picture of what that could look like with some real people. I did a little survey a number of years back in my church up in New York, so it's nobody, nobody here. Um, but I did a little survey, and they, I asked, these were all respected Christian people, um, what their experience was of the Holy Spirit. How did they know if the Holy Spirit was talking to them, or what was their experience of either a filling of the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life? And these were all people who were devoted, trusted followers of Christ. I mean, they were people I could trust. They were people, many of them active in ministry and in leadership. Um, and 
operating in the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, okay? So I, I just asked them this question. And I'm just going to read you their answers, okay? Um, and it's just fascinating to hear how your fellow Christians have experienced the Holy Spirit. The first person said, I had no major single event with the Holy Spirit. More of a series of stirrings that turned into something harder to ignore, followed by amazing calm and clarity. And when I obeyed the stirring, amazing things happened soon and consistently. Cool. The second one said, filling with the Holy Spirit was a, it was a tangible feeling, almost like something washing over me. It's a feeling of peace, a quickening of my heart, and a sense of God's presence often happens to me during corporate worship. Another person said, it's not a dramatic experience or feeling for me. I'm aware of the Holy Spirit working in subtle ways, thoughts that are dropped into my mind that I know have not come from me. And later on, they're proved to be very important in making decisions or dealing with an issue. Another one said this, I was a Christian since a small child, but had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 10, and I started speaking in tongues. From this time forward, my life changed dramatically. And at that moment, I could hear and feel God's presence more closely, and it has been the compass that directs all my life's decisions. Another person said this, I rarely hear something specific from the Holy Spirit. But when I'm praying for someone in prayer, I'll often see a picture or a scripture will come to mind, a very particular thought, and I just know it's something the Holy Spirit is giving me for that person. Another person said this, as I gradually learn to surrender and just put God first, I just know the Holy Spirit has come and been with me. And when that happens, I feel so much peace and assurance that he's there. Another one said, when I was saved, it was like drinking a cup of water. And then when I had an experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it was like the cup then overflowed. It's the source of all my power, wisdom, and victory. Another one said this, I experienced the Holy Spirit in church gatherings when the power of God seems to overtake what is happening. I also experienced it in personal times of reading the Bible when the words I've read many times are just leaping off the page. Or when I see God bringing messages to me together from many different sources. And I love what they added here. God is gentle and doesn't do it until you're ready, but then he's persistent in getting your attention. The last person said this, I had been resisting the idea that God could use me to heal people. Someone told me to let God bypass my head and invite him into my heart. And so I felt a warm sensation of the Holy Spirit filling me. From that day on, my prayer life has been different. My faith in God to do the miraculous is different. And I've seen him move through me in more powerful ways than before. Wow. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? The incredible creativity and gen gentleness of God. And the way he works so differently in different people, some so calmly, some in, in overflowing. Some have a quiet surrender to God and a gradual filling. Some it's just immediate. God's here with you. He wants you to experience him. However, works for you. What he knows about you. The common denominator among all these people was a love for Jesus and a desire for more. A desire for more of him. An openness to whatever he wants to do. Like, he, like I said before, that we don't tell him what to do. We just listen and, and respond. Holy Spirit, come. So I want to ask you to stand. 
not going to ask you to go anywhere, so don't worry. I just want you to stand because I want us to be engaged in this process. If you can, only if you're comfortable to stand. You don't need to stand if it's hard to stand. But just take a moment and, and if you feel comfortable, to put out your hands in the posture of openness to the Holy Spirit right now. And it may be that you have never asked Jesus into your heart, in which case then you may not know what we're talking about with the Holy Spirit. And so the first step in getting to receive the Holy Spirit is to ask Jesus into our hearts, to, to receive the salvation that only Jesus brings. And so while we're standing here, I'm going to say a prayer for us to, if, if you'd like to invite Jesus in, if you'd like to say, yeah, I want to, I want to begin to follow him. I want, I want to see what this is about. I want to, more of him. I'm going to have, pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, I just, we want to say to you today, I believe that you are the Son of God, and that you died for us on the cross, and that you arose again from the dead, conquering sin and death. And so today, Lord, I invite you into my heart. I, I ask you to forgive my sins and, and receive me, Lord, as your child. I want to walk with you, follow you. Fill me with your spirit. And each one of us today, let's just simply say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. receive more of you, Lord. Whatever that looks like, God. Challenge us past what we already know. Speak to our older Christians here. Challenge us, Lord, to receive even more than we've ever received before. invite the prayer teams to come up and as Charles is just going to sing quietly Pierre you're invited to come and be prayed for you're invited to come and kneel at the altar you're invited to stay where you are stand or sit but let's invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts come Holy Spirit